Well, good morning and a very warm welcome to St Swithin's. Uh, thank you for taking time to connect with us uh, this morning. You know, we're really grateful for your prayers at this time, uh, when, particularly when it's such a challenging season, but also as we continue to pray for you too. We're returning to our online worship this week as we break for the school half term. And at the core of my understanding of what it means to be a Christian is that very simply is that I'm a worshipper of Jesus. What that means is that I orientate my whole life around God, my choices, what I do, what I don't do, around his word, his presence, his spirit, the gospel, the Bible, all those things shape my life as the primary source of how I live. And the thing is this, when you find yourself in a tough season, when actually all around seems to be really difficult and it feels like it's going to be going on and on, the question is, where do you draw strength from? Where do you find hope? And as we journey through this book of Exodus at the minute, we're at this critical point. Will God's people ever find freedom? Will they make it to the other side to freedom? You know, every generation feels like the problems they're facing are so much greater than everybody else's. But what we see again and again is how God makes a way, even when things seem impossible. So as we gather today, it may feel that you're struggling, it may be you feel like you're banging your head against a brick wall. But take heart. God is the God who can make a way through the desert. We can lead us to the far side of the sea for a great celebration. Let's pray. God of grace, we thank you so much for your faithfulness to us. In all our weakness, in all our frailty, we offer ourselves to you. Would you lead us? Would you guide us? And Father, would we have soft hearts to follow you? In Jesus' name. Amen. Well, good morning. Uh, I'm going to be looking at the next in our series of studies in Exodus. And today we're focusing on chapters 13 to 15 and the climax of the Israelites' escape from slavery in Egypt as they cross through the sea to freedom. So start with a question. How do you celebrate momentous events in your life? Those things you don't want to ever forget. I think the contemporary way is to take a photo, perhaps a selfie to post on social media, group photo that you might put on the wall. In the past, great victories have been celebrated and remembered with monuments and statues. In Exodus chapter 15, we see that the Israelites celebrated crossing the Red Sea and their rescue from slavery with a song of worship. This is not a Hollywood blockbuster version where they celebrate their personal rescue and freedom, but it's a song of worship wholly focused on the victory of their almighty God. God has fulfilled what he promised to Moses in Exodus 6, 6. He has stretched out his mighty hand to lead the people he has redeemed out of slavery and through the sea and out the other side. As we examine the story of the great and marvellous deed of our Lord God Almighty, what can we learn about God's righteous ways? In our current state of uncertainty and change, what does it mean to follow a God who is unchanging? and who is victorious. 
So let's start at the beginning. The biblical narrative of the exodus of Israel from Egypt is a gripping story. It's full of detail. They escape in the middle of the night in chapter 12, verse 31. They're accompanied by many others, probably other Egyptians, in verse 38. They leave with material wealth and with Joseph bones, uh, chapter 13, verse 19. And they are accompanied by God's presence in the form of a pillar of cloud by day and by a pillar of fire by night. That's chapter 13, 21 and 22. However, there is just one big obstacle in their way. God has led them the long way round by the desert road to the Red Sea. To be truly free from slavery under Pharaoh, they must pass through the sea. In our modern lives, where we have bridges, tunnels, large ferries, even planes, it's difficult for us to realise the significance of this body of water. Through the entire Old Testament, there is no single reference to bridges. In the biblical landscape, waters divide and water represents judgment. Starting with Genesis, we see that the waters above are divided from the waters below. To descend to the depths or ascend to the heavens, we must pass through water. Crossing through water to a new reality is a repeated biblical theme. Noah passes through the flood into a new world. Jacob fords the river Jabbok to be given his new name, Israel. Joshua crosses the Jordan into the promised land. And John baptises people in the Jordan so they too may enter a new kingdom. When Moses raised his staff and stretched out his hand over the Red Sea as God instructed him, God intervened with a supernatural act. Through the mighty miracle of God dividing the waters, the Israelites walk through the sea on dry land. This physical creation of dry land in chapter 14 verses 21 and 22 is an echo of creation in Genesis 1. God drives back the water with a wind. This is the Hebrew word ruach, the same word used to describe the Holy Spirit and the Spirit of God hovering over the waters in Genesis chapter 1. This picture of God as the true creator set against Pharaoh, the anti-creator, has been with us since the beginning of Exodus. As John reminded us last week, God sends the plagues to reveal to Pharaoh and to the Israelites that he alone is the almighty Lord. God is the creator and sustainer of all creation, and he alone can conquer chaos and bring life out of death. Pharaoh, however, hasn't learned his lesson. His heart is hardened again, and he tries to follow the Israelites through the water with all the latest technology of battle, an army, horses, chariots. But just as God can command the waters to divide in an act of creation, so he can also pull apart, apart creation and bring chaos and destruction with waters of judgment. Israel crosses the Red Sea at night, but walks in the light of God's cloud into their freedom from slavery. Egypt crosses at dawn, just as their god, the sun, Ra, should be rising to save them, but they are destroyed by the watery darkness. The battle of the gods is over and Yahweh, the Lord, is victorious. Moses and the Israelites proclaim, Who is like you, O Lord, among the gods? Almighty God alone is worthy of their worship. Israel's story of passing through the waters of the Red Sea and being led to freedom by God is their foundation narrative. 
It's central to their knowledge that God is faithful to his covenant promises and is their redeemer. It's also a theme that resounds through the whole biblical narrative. Through the Psalms, Israel is reminded of what God did for them when he parted the seas and led them on dry land. But in the prophets, in particular Isaiah and Jeremiah, we see a promise of a new thing. A new exodus is coming. God is coming in judgment and waters of death, but he comes with a new thing, an act of redemption and recreation. Paul, writing in 1 Corinthians 10 and Romans chapters 6 to 8, retraces the redemption of God's people out of slavery in Egypt and proclaims it fulfilled in Christ. Jesus is baptised in the water of the Jordan, passing through the waters of judgment as a picture of his death and resurrection to come. Jesus himself refers to his death as a baptism in Mark chapter 10 and verse 38. On the cross, the waters of judgment of judgment engulf Jesus in their chaos and the land is covered in darkness. Creation is undone in order to bring new life. On the third day Jesus rose again and God brings life out of death, light out of darkness, freedom from slavery, salvation from judgment. The exodus is completed once and for all in the person of Jesus. If you proclaim Jesus as your Lord and Saviour, you too have entered the waters of death and passed through to new life. You stand with judgment behind you and you are on the eastern side of the sea, a free person. So is that it? The Exodus from Egypt gives us an amazing picture of our mighty God's redeeming power to rescue Israel from slavery. And we too have been freed from our sin, our slavery to sin, and now we're just free to go our own way. I think the extra story that we see in chapters 13 to 15 is far more challenging than that. Yes, we are set free from slavery to other gods, but it's not possible for us to live lives where we serve no one. We are made to worship and all too quickly we will find another master to serve. As Paul reminds us in Romans 6 and 16, don't you know that when you offer yourselves to someone as obedient slaves, you are slaves to the one you obey, whether you are slaves to sin, which leads to death, or to obedience, which leads to righteousness. Israel was set free from slavery under Pharaoh so they could properly enter service and worship of Yahweh. Israel's problem is not that they are slaves and ought to be free, but they were under the authority of the wrong master and needed to be restored to their true Lord. The same challenge applies to us now. We are redeemed by the death and resurrection of Jesus. Not so that we can do whatever we want and serve who we choose, but so that we submit to God as king, walk in his ways, love him, serve him, obey him and give him all our worship. Moses and all the Israelites stand on the eastern side of the sea and respond to God's redeeming act of liberation with a song of worship to their victorious God. In the book of Revelation in chapter 15, after a prolonged battle where Christ is finally victorious, all God's people stand on the far side of the sea and sing the song of God's servant Moses and of the Lamb. Right now, we might be feeling like God has led us the long way round. We found ourselves on the desert road beside the Red Sea and we have an obstacle in our way. 
Perhaps we feel the power of our enemy closing in behind us and there seems to be no way out. But if we put our trust in Christ as our Redeemer and Saviour, we can hold on to the promise that God is our strength and our defence and has become our salvation. We have crossed through the sea on dry land and we were not overwhelmed by the waters of judgment. We can stand as free people on the far shore because our God is victorious. So now we are called to join the song of all God's people and worship the God of the Exodus, the great unchanging I am, whose mighty hand parted the waters and led his people out of Egypt. He alone is our God and we will praise him. So let's finish in prayer with the words from Exodus chapter 15, verses one to three. I will sing to the Lord, for he has triumphed gloriously. He has hurled both horse and rider into the sea. The Lord is my strength and my song. He has given me victory. This is my God and I will praise him. My father's God and I will exalt him. The Lord is a warrior. Yahweh is his name. Amen. Let's pray together. Father God, we thank you that you are our mighty God the only one worthy of our worship and praise. We thank you that you have saved us from the slavery of sin and that we are free to follow you. We pray, Lord, that you would help us to submit to you as King, to walk in your ways, to love and to serve you in obedience with our whole heart. And we thank you that we are free to join the song of all God's people and worship you, the great I am. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. Forgive us our sin as we forgive those who sin against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For the kingdom, the power and the glory are yours, now and forever. Amen.